In these podcasts, we uncover one chapter after another from the life of the Prophet ﷺ in an attempt to learn about him, love him, and better ourselves through his example. Immersion, mentorship, companionship, and tarbiyah. These are just a few of the things we offer alongside knowledge of the prophetic biography at the Sirah Intensive. Two weeks dedicated to the study of the life of the Prophet ﷺ and his noble characteristics. So this winter, inshallah, join me in Dallas, Texas, alongside your classmates from all over the world to learn the story of the life of the best of humanity, the mercy to mankind, the Prophet Muhammad ﷺ. Go to sirahintensive.com to register or for more info. Bismillah walhamdulillah wa salatu wa salamu ala rasulillahi wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'een. Inshallah, continuing with our study of the life of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Asiratun Nabawiyya, the prophetic biography. In the last few sessions, we've been talking uh, extensively about one of the most, um, one of the biggest events of the life of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, one of the most noteworthy events of the seerah, and that is the conquest of Makkah, Fathu Makkah, the opening of the city of Makkah. And what we've talked about so far is not only obviously the events that led up to that uh, significant monumental occurrence, but we also talked about the Prophet Sallallahu preparation in that regard. We talked about some of the events that unfolded prior to the conquest of Makkah. We also talked about the Prophet Sallallahu journey on the way to Makkah and how when he stopped outside of Makkah, the Prophet Sallallahu was met with, uh, was met by some of the leadership of the Quraysh who accepted Islam at that time and brokered a deal to basically ensure the protection and the safety and the security of the people of Makkah. What we're going to be talking about today is the Prophet ﷺ entering into the city of Makkah. The Prophet ﷺ, along with the 12,000 Muslims that were with the Prophet ﷺ, they're entering into the city of Makkah. There are many narrations which kind of describe just the appearance of the Prophet ﷺ when he was entering the city of Makkah. And that's what I'd like to focus on first. And then as we proceed forward, I'll basically be mentioning about three different things. The Prophet ﷺ, his appearance, his demeanor, his uh, character. And then the second thing that we'll talk about is the Prophet ﷺ, um, going into the Kaaba and what the Prophet ﷺ actually did at the Kaaba, at the uh, sacred house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Masjid al-Haram. And then thirdly, we'll talk about some of the very interesting interactions that the Prophet ﷺ had with some of the people as he uh, came into the city of Mecca and as they basically began to um, deal with all the different issues that were going on in Mecca. So first and foremost, what it mentions about the appearance of the Prophet ﷺ himself. In terms of physical appearance, it's mentioned that the Prophet ﷺ was not in a state of ihram. He was not in a state of ihram. And what that, meant, what that means is, the Prophet ﷺ did not come with the intention to perform the umrah immediately. 
but rather the Prophet ﷺ would in fact perform an Umrah before returning back to the city of Medina. But we'll be talking about that later, inshallah. Because at this point in time, they were basically coming in to secure the city of Mecca. It was more of a military expedition, and that was the primary purpose of entering Mecca. So for that reason, the Prophet ﷺ was not in a state of ihram. What was the Prophet ﷺ wearing? So one of the narrations mentions that the Prophet ﷺ had this very, very deep dark red shawl that the Prophet ﷺ had that was bordering on like being black. Um, and the Prophet ﷺ was wearing that shawl. And then secondly, the Prophet ﷺ, he was first wearing a helmet. وَعَلَىٰ رَأْسِهِ الْمِغْفَرِ وَعَلَىٰ رَأْسِهِ الْمِغْفَرِ He was wearing a helmet as they entered into the city of Mecca. However, the narration mentions that فَلَمَّا The Prophet ﷺ removed the helmet after they entered into the city of Mecca. And then the Prophet ﷺ was wearing an amama. Now amama basically means a turban, imama. He had a turban tied on his head that is described as sauda. It was a black colored turban that he was wearing on his head. And the way the Prophet ﷺ would tie the turban is that it would have like a tail, uh, one piece of, one edge of it would be left, and then he tied it, and then he tucked it in, and there was a second tail, a second, the, the other end of it was hanging down as well, and he had both the ends hanging down on his back, behind his back, uh, between his shoulders, and that's what he was wearing on his head. It also describes that when the Prophet ﷺ entered into the city of Mecca, the Prophet ﷺ had a flag, a liwa. He had a flag and the flag was colored white. It was a white colored flag. And as the Prophet ﷺ entered in, the narrations mentioned that the Prophet ﷺ, when he saw... Um, you know, basically what had, oh, uh, uh, what had occurred and what had transpired, you know, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, مَا أَكْرَمَهُ بِهِ مِنَ الْفَتْحِ That Abdullah bin Abi Bakr, the son of Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu says, that when the Prophet ﷺ saw how Allah had honored the Prophet ﷺ by giving them this moment, of being able to come in and secure the city of Mecca for Islam, the Prophet ﷺ was so humbled, was so humbled by this moment, He bowed his head down while riding the animal that he was riding, he was riding a camel. He bowed his head down so low out of humility before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for granting him this honor and for finally bringing about this moment, this great moment. And the narration mentions, Abdullah bin Abi Bakr says, حَتَّى إِنَّ عُثْنُونَ لَيَكَادُ يَمُسُّ وَاسِطَةَ الرَّحْلِ That the Prophet ﷺ was bowed down so far down that his beard was almost touching the back of the animal that he was riding. And another narration, multiple sahaba note this and uh, narrate this. Anas radiallahu ta'ala anhu in a narration of Bayhaqi, he says that, وَذَقْنُهُ عَلَى رَحْلِهِ مُتَخَشِّعًا That the Prophet ﷺ was so lowered down that it was like almost like his chin was touching the back of the animal that he was riding. Mutakhashi'an, out of humility before God, out of humility before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the Prophet sallallahu a narration of Bukhari mentions, Abdullah bin Mughaffal, radiallahu ta'ala anhu sahabi, he mentions this, it's in the hadith, it's a hadith of Bukhari, that, رَأَيْتُ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهِ وَسَلَّمَ I saw the Prophet sallallahu as he was entering the city of Mecca, he was riding on the she-camel, the camel that he was riding, وَهُوَ يَقْرَأُ سُورَةَ الْفَتْحِ 
And the Prophet ﷺ was reciting Surah Al-Fatih. إِنَّا فَتَحْنَا لَكَ فَتْحًا مُبِينًا That we have granted you, without a doubt, we have given to you a very open, clear victory. And يُرَجِّعُ The Prophet ﷺ was reciting the surah and he kept reciting it over and over and over again. And so that's what the Prophet ﷺ was doing as he entered into the city of Mecca. Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he mentions, and, and I'm going to be commenting on this now, the humility of the Prophet ﷺ was such, so powerful. And the compassion and the mercy and the gentleness of the Prophet ﷺ was so profound. Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu ta'ala anhu says that a man came up to the Prophet ﷺ, he was talking to one of the residents of Mecca, was speaking to the Prophet ﷺ, and he started shaking and shivering out of just fear. Because the people of Mecca understood. We persecuted these people, we attacked them, we murdered them, we tortured them, we slandered them for 20 years. For two decades, we made their lives miserable. We made it the mission of our lives, the purpose of our lives, to make their lives miserable. That's what we devoted ourselves to for the last two decades. Now, he's got the upper hand. Now they have the upper hand. Now we are at their mercy. And so many people were very conscious of this fact. So this man from the people of Mecca was speaking to the Prophet ﷺ. And while talking to the Prophet ﷺ, he started to shake out of fear. And the Prophet ﷺ said to him, Hawwin alayk. He said, relax. Relax, calm down. فَإِنَّمَا أَنَا إِبْنُ إِمْرَأَةٍ مِّن قُرَيْشِ He says, you forget. I'm the son of a woman from Quraysh. I'm from here. كَانَتْ تَأْكُلُ الْقَدِيدِ And my mother was a very simple woman. She used to eat you know, the, the food of the people of Mecca, a very simple person. I am the man, a very, very, you know, humble woman from Mecca. Don't be afraid, relax, breathe, it's okay, it'll be alright. And that was the demeanor of the Prophet ﷺ. That this is the humility of the Prophet ﷺ. At the moment of the greatest victory in the life of the Prophet ﷺ, maybe that anyone has ever experienced, such a moment of triumph over one's enemies. One could even say, not from the perspective of the Prophet ﷺ, but from the perspective of the enemy, mortal enemies. They wanted nothing more than to, they tried to, attempted to assassinate the Prophet ﷺ, not once, but on multiple occasions. These were the people who were responsible for killing dozens of the companions of the Prophet ﷺ, some of his family members. Time after time, there were people in Mecca, there are so many different incidents, so many different things that are mentioned, that when the daughters of the Prophet ﷺ, after he made the hijrah, when they were leaving Mecca, two of the daughters of the Prophet ﷺ, when they were leaving Mecca, one of the individuals of Mecca had you know, come, and as they were leaving, to try to like intimidate them, he grabbed the reins of the animal, and he kind of jerked the animal around, and the daughters of the Prophet ﷺ fell down on the ground off their animal. These are people who attacked his family. The eldest daughter of the Prophet ﷺ, Zainab radiallahu ta'ala anha, when she was leaving Mecca, a man attacked her with a spear, stabbed her. She lost the child that she was carrying and she became wounded severely. That never healed and she would eventually die from complications of that same wound. Like they had done this. 
These were people who killed the uncle of the Prophet and then mutilated his body. These are the things these people had done. And you look at the humility of the Prophet He has open, clear victory as Allah guaranteed in the Qur'an. They've surrendered. They are at his mercy. He's entering into the city victorious, triumphant. But how is the Prophet entering the city of Mecca? He's humble. He removes the helmet. He had to wear the helmet coming in just because you don't know if someone's going to be trying to ambush or attack or some overzealous person. But as soon as he saw that the situation was calm, he even removed his helmet to not even have a very intimidating appearance. And he was making, reciting the Qur'an, had his head down lowered so low in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala out of humility that his chin was almost touching the back of the animal he was riding. So quiet and serene and humble. And when he finds a man who's shaking and shivering, he calms him. This is the enemy. And you think about any other example that you can find in human history where somebody would have been given that type of an opportunity over their enemies, how would they conduct themselves? How would they behave? How do people in power act? We're seeing it now. But this is the example of our Messenger ﷺ. That the Prophet ﷺ was always humble, but his humility was just breathtaking in the moments where he was in a position of power, where he had the upper hand over his enemies. So the Prophet ﷺ, the narration mentions of Bukhari that the Prophet ﷺ came in from the south of the city of Mecca. He entered in from the south and he sent Khalid bin Walid عنه, from the north side with the cavalry to come in from the north. And as they entered into the city of Mecca, the Prophet ﷺ, he made a proclamation about the city of Mecca. The Prophet ﷺ, he said, Inna Allah harrama, Abdullah bin Abbas radiallahu ta'ala anhuma, and many other uh, narrates this, and it's found in many of the books of hadith and seerah. Tabarani mentions this particular narration, that the Prophet ﷺ made a proclamation. He said, Inna Allah harrama hadha al-balada, yawma khalaqa al-samawati wal-arda, wa saagahu yawma saagha al-shamsa wal-qamara, wa ma hiyaluhu min al-samai haramun. وَإِنَّهُ لَا يَحِلُّ لِأَحْدٍ قَبْلِي وَإِنَّمَا حَلَّ لِي سَاعَةً مِّن نَهَارٍ ثُمَّ عَادَ كَمَا كَانَ The Prophet ﷺ said that God has made this place sacred, sanctified. This is sacred land. The day that He created the heavens and the earth, the, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala fashioned this place, designed this place. The day that He fashioned and designed the sun and the moon. And everything that is above this place, even all the way up to the sky, is also considered sacred. Nothing can be placed over it or on top of it. And he said that this place was not, allow, it was not allowed for anyone to encroach, to, to kind of invade this place before me. It was not allowed. And Allah gave me permission to enter into Mecca with my forces Today, for just those number of that, that time that it took to enter into the city of Mecca, this was by the command of Allah. Allah commanded me to enter in with the Muslim army on this day, but it will return back to its previous state, that it will be sacred, it will be sanctified, and no one will enter in with an army in this place ever again. It is not allowed. The Prophet ﷺ, he made a, a proclamation, 
So at this point in time, what I wanted to mention was the Prophet ﷺ, he makes his proclamation as he enters into the city of Mecca. The Prophet ﷺ at this particular time, when he goes to the masjid, the Prophet ﷺ proceeds towards the masjid. When he gets to the masjid, he sees that Abu Bakr anhu has gone and you know, brought his father. The father of Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala, and this is one of the very beautiful interactions. The father of, the, of Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala, and his name was Abu Quhafa. Abu Quhafa was a very elderly man. Very elderly man. And he was blind at this point. So he gets Abu Quhafa and he's holding his hand and he's bringing him. When the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam saw that he was bringing his elderly father who's blind, holding his hand and walking him in. The Prophet ﷺ said, Why did you not leave our elder uncle at home? And I would have gone and seen him if you wanted to speak to me. This is the humility of the Prophet ﷺ. And Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala says, Ya Rasulullah, huwa ahaqqu an yamshiya ilayka min an tamshiya anta ilayhi. He says, O Messenger of Allah, he should walk to you rather than you going to him. He should come to you. And then Asma bin Abi Bakr, Asma, the daughter of Abu Bakr radiallahu ta'ala anhu, she narrates, she says, the Prophet asked him to come and sit. And he had him sit down in front of him. The Prophet sat across from him. The Prophet placed his hand on the chest of the father of Abu Bakr which was a gesture of love and respect. He placed his hand on his chest and then he said, Aslim, please accept Islam. And the father of Abu Bakr accepted Islam. And the Prophet ﷺ, the narration mentions that he looked at the father of Abu Bakr and all of his hair was, had gone white. And the Prophet ﷺ told Abu Bakr why don't you dye and color his hair? So he doesn't, you know, uh, doesn't look like this. And so this was a humility of the Prophet ﷺ that, you know, when he sees an elder walking towards him, the Prophet ﷺ says, no, 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 you shouldn't have brought him to me, I would have gone and seen him. Furthermore, uh, Umm Muhani, Umm Muhani, who was the cousin of the Prophet ﷺ, an older woman, she was one of the eldest of the children of Abu Talib, the uncle of the Prophet ﷺ, Abu Talib. Umm Muhani was one of his, uh, Abu Talib's oldest you know, children. She's a very elderly woman. She was, she was like a big sister to the Prophet ﷺ growing up. She always looked after the Prophet ﷺ. So Umm Muhani, she comes to the Prophet ﷺ and she said that there are two individuals from my in-laws. Min Bani Makhzum. There are two individuals from my in-laws. And Ali bin Abi Talib who came and he's basically trying to, you know, kind of round them up. He's looking to, you know, not arrest them, round them up. Because the Prophet ﷺ spread the Sahaba and he said, make sure you secure the city of Mecca. So she said that he's trying to round them up, but I have given them my protection. I promised them that I would keep them safe. And they're in my home. The Prophet ﷺ, he said, Marhaman wa ahlan bi ummihani. Welcome, welcome. Much respect to Ummuhani. Look how humble and respectful he is. Welcome, welcome to Ummuhani. Maja'a biki. What may I do for you? How may I be of service to you? And she tells him this and he says, Qada ajarna man, ajar, man ajarti wa, wa amanna man amanti. 
He says that we have protected whom you have protected. And we shall keep safe whom you have promised to keep safe. So tell Ali to leave them be. Again, the, the, the graciousness of the Prophet ﷺ at this particular time. Similarly, it mentions um, that the Prophet ﷺ, one of the very interesting um, situations that we'll talk more about, but Ikrimah. Ikrimah, who was the son of Abu Jahl. He had fought against the Prophet ﷺ on multiple occasions, numerous occasions. Led armies against the Prophet ﷺ. When the Prophet ﷺ had come for Umratul Qadha, a year earlier, Ikrimah was amongst the people who had protested the presence of the Prophet in Mecca, and he had gone outside of Mecca, that while Muhammad is in Mecca for three days, sallallahu alayhi wa I will not remain in Mecca at the same time. And when the Prophet was coming, he had fled. And he had gone to Yemen. His wife, Ummu Hakim, bintul Harith, she had accepted Islam. She came to the Prophet and she asked the Prophet ﷺ that if I can bring, bring Ikrimah back, if I can go and fetch him and bring him, will you grant him amnesty? Will he be safe? He's worried that he won't be safe. He said, yes, I'll grant him safety. And she went and she got Ikrimah and brought him to the Prophet ﷺ. And he accepted Islam. And the narration mentions that when he was brought to the Prophet ﷺ, when he came to the Prophet ﷺ, the Prophet ﷺ advised the Sahaba around him that do not curse his father, do not curse Abu Jahl in his presence, do not curse, don't speak ill of the dead. Those who have gone, don't talk ill of them. You know, oftentimes we, we hear this type of, we hear this, that this is an instruction in our deen, that we don't speak ill of the dead. Right? They've gone to their deeds and Allah will deal with them. They, people are accountable to Allah. They're not accountable to you and me. We sometimes act as if we're judge, jury, and executioner. When we're neither, we're all on trial before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But we hear that you shouldn't speak of those who have passed. And who was that narration about? That was about Abu Jahl. About Abu Jahl. And now where do we get off in our day and age where we don't even spare Muslims. We hear about a Muslim passing away and everybody gets into conversation about what they did and did not do. Whether they were good or bad. As if somehow we have a say in that. As if our opinion matters at all. And what we furthermore don't even realize, it's a lot more serious than the fact that nobody cares what we think about somebody's fate. It's more serious than that. The more serious thing is that if we're not careful and we flap our tongues around, and we talk about people, we will be held accountable for what we say. Don't ever, ever, you know, take that for granted. The Prophet wasallam, as he, once again, as I had mentioned before, the Prophet wasallam now enters into uh, the Kaaba, the Haram, the Masjid itself. Uh, and at this point in time, the Prophet wasallam, he calls for so first of all, it mentions that the Prophet ﷺ, he enters Masjid al-Haram, the Masjid itself, the area around the, around the Kaaba itself. And the Prophet ﷺ starts doing tawaf around the Kaaba. He starts doing tawaf around the Kaaba. And, but the problem was that they had erected, some of the narrations mentioned, that they had erected 360 idols around the Kaaba. 
They had placed all these idols around the Kaaba. And as the Prophet ﷺ was doing tawaf, he had his staff in his hand. He had a staff in his hand. The Prophet ﷺ was knocking the idols over one by one by one by one as he was doing tawaf. And some of the narration, subhanAllah, even mentioned that the Prophet ﷺ, excuse me, I forgot to uh, mention this, before the Prophet ﷺ did tawaf, when he first went into the, when he first went into the Masjid al-Haram, the Prophet ﷺ did sajda. He did sajda just to thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Sajda to shukr. Just to thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for giving him this opportunity. For letting them arrive at this great moment. So first he did sajda. Then the Prophet ﷺ went to the well of Zamzam. And he asked for somebody to bring him something that he could drink from. And he drank the water of Zamzam. And then the Prophet ﷺ did wudu there. At the well of Zamzam. And the narration mentions that as the Prophet ﷺ was doing wudu, as we've said multiple occasions, the Sahaba would grab the water as it was falling from the face and the hands of the Prophet ﷺ for the blessing of it. And the mushrikun, many of them were watching and they were shocked and amazed by this and they said, They said that we, wallahi, we have never ever seen or heard about a king that is respected as much as Muhammad is. Remember that comment when Abu Sufyan said to Abbas that your nephew has a great kingdom. He said, this is not kingdom, this is prophethood. This is prophethood. There's a whole nother thing. And he said, absolutely, you're right. Because people don't even treat kings like this. There's, there's something deeper here. There's something more profound here. It's faith. It's belief. It's iman. So the Prophet does this wudu and then he starts the tawaf of the Kaaba and the narration mentions that as the Prophet is standing there before he starts the tawaf, the Prophet says, La ilaha illallahu wahda. There's no one, absolutely, positively, no one, nothing worthy of worship except for Allah alone. La sharika lahu. He has no partners at all. Sadaqa wa'da. He fulfilled his promise. Wa nasara abda. He helped and aided his slave. Refers to him himself as a slave of Allah. He is a prophet and a messenger, but he says, first and foremost, I am the slave of God. The humility once again. الْأَحْزَابَ wahda, And Allah is the one who defeated the enemy. I did not defeat anyone. We did not defeat anyone. Allah defeated the enemy. And then the Prophet starts the tawaf. And he starts doing the tawaf. And the narration mentions that he was, as I was saying before, he was knocking the idols over. In fact, some of the narrations mention that the Prophet ﷺ, there was something miraculous many people saw here, that the Prophet ﷺ wasn't even, um, you know, his staff wasn't even touching some of the idols. As he was doing tawaf, he was reading the verse of the Qur'an, جَاءَ الْحَقُّ وَزَهَقَ الْبَاطِلِ The truth came and falsehood dispersed. إِنَّ الْبَاطِلَ كَانَ زَهُوقًا Falsehood was never meant to last. Falsehood was always meant to go. What's right came, so what's wrong is gone. And things that are wrong, things that are bad, they never last. It was always meant to go. And the narration mentions he was reciting this verse of the Qur'an, and his staff would not even touch the idols. He would just kind of point it in its direction. It wouldn't even touch the idol. The idols were just flopping over, were just falling down, one after another. As he did tawaf, and all the idols fell down. And the Prophet ﷺ told the sahaba to clear all the idols out. His staff wouldn't even touch the idol, it would just fall over, they would just knock over, miraculously. And then the Prophet told them to clear out the idols. After they had cleared out the idols, the Prophet then wanted to enter into the Kaaba. He wanted to go inside the Kaaba itself. 
So the Prophet ﷺ called Uthman bin Talha, who was the individual who had the key to the Kaaba, the door of the Kaaba. It was entrusted to his household, to his family. This was a part of their legacy. So he called Uthman bin Talha, and a very remarkable story, a very beautiful, powerful story, is that before the Prophet ﷺ, when he was anticipating the instruction from Allah to leave Mecca before Hijrah, we're talking eight years ago, as he was anticipating that any day now he would be told to leave the Kaaba, the Prophet ﷺ one day went to the Kaab, went to the Haram, and he asked Uthman bin Talha, "Can you open the Kaaba for me? I'd like to go inside, pay my respects." Can you open the Kaaba for me? And he said, no, 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 not opening it, go. And the Prophet ﷺ was so heartbroken, so devastated. And he calls Uthman bin Talha and he says, give me the key. And he brings him the key and he gives it to him. And the Prophet ﷺ tells Ali ta'ala go and open the door of the Kaaba. They opened the door of the Kaaba and the Prophet ﷺ, he enters in. The narration mentions that when he enters in, there were some drawings on the walls of the Kaaba inside. They had drawn certain things on the walls like pictures and idols and shapes of idols and things like that that they had drawn on the inside walls of the Kaaba. The Prophet ﷺ told Umar radiallahu ta'ala anhu to clean this up. So Umar ibn Khattab radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he took a cloth, like he took a scarf or a cloth and he wet it he made it wet and he went inside and he wiped all those drawings off the walls of the Kaaba. He washed the walls of the Kaaba on the inside and cleared them out. And some of the narrations mentioned when the Prophet went inside, there was like this one idol that was put inside the Kaaba. The Prophet took it and he smashed it with his own hand and he threw it outside the door of the Kaaba. And then it describes that the Prophet ﷺ, he went inside and with him was Fadl bin Abbas, Usama ibn Zayd, Bilal radiallahu anhu. These sahaba, they went inside with him. And they described that on the inside of the Kaaba, there were six pillars. There were three pillars in one row as you entered the door, three pillars and three more pillars. The Prophet ﷺ stood between the second and the third pillar. Like from the right, he had two pillars to his right and one pillar to his left in the front row. Like there was the first row after the door, then the second row. He went to that second row where he was between the second and the third pillar facing that wall across from the door of the Kaaba. And he stood there and some of the narrations mentioned that he prayed there. And then another narration mentions that he went and stood by each of the six pillars and he made dua. And then the Prophet ﷺ came out from the Kaaba. The Prophet ﷺ was inside for quite some time. He made dua at every single pillar. Some narrations even mentioned that he prayed therein. So when the Prophet ﷺ came out, he was in for quite some time. And after he came out, there was a whole group of people that were gathered there. All the Sahaba were gathered there kind of waiting for the Prophet ﷺ to exit and to now further instruct them. And some of the other Sahaba then started taking turns to go inside the Kaaba and also worship there and pray there and make dua there. And when the Prophet ﷺ, he came out, the Prophet ﷺ, he commanded Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu. This is another very monumental, profound moment. The Prophet ﷺ commanded Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu to call the adhan. 
Now, when it was time to call the Adhan, the Prophet ﷺ did not just simply tell him to call the Adhan, the Prophet ﷺ said to re-establish the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the oneness of God at the Kaaba, at the sacred house of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He told Bilal to climb on top of the Kaaba, stand on top of the Kaaba and call the Adhan. And Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu stood on top of the Kaaba and he called the Adhan. And some, uh, some, some, some of the leaders of Mecca, they, they started to make some comments. They started, they got agitated. In one of the narrations, in fact, Yunus bin Bukaid um, and others, uh, Imam Bayhaqi mentions this, Ibn Asakir, he mentions this. Many historians, they mention this. It's narrated from Urwa who narrates from his father Zubayr, أَنَّ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهِ عَلَيْهِ أَمَرَ بِلَالًا عَامَ الْفَتْحِ فَأَذَّنَ عَلَى الْكَعْبَةِ لِيُغِيذَ بِهِ الْمُشْرِكِينَ The Prophet ﷺ specifically told Bilal to stand on top of the Kaaba and call the Adhan specifically to teach the people of Mecca a lesson. To teach them a lesson. That the ways of the old are gone. That time has passed. There will be no more shirk at this Kaaba. Number one, this is the house of Allah. Number two, all your, your, your social order of the past, the discrimination, the racism, the classism that you, you know, perpetrated for generations, for centuries, that is all a thing of the past. It is ancient history now. That Bilal who was a minority in Mecca. He was an African living amongst the Quraysh. Number two, he was a freed slave. He was formerly a slave in Mecca that he will stand on top of the Kaaba and call the other. And the Prophet ﷺ made this profound statement. So I was saying that some of the people, they got agitated by this, which was part of the... The Prophet ﷺ wanted to agitate the culture, wanted to, wanted to disrupt that culture. And so some got agitated, and some started making some comments, specifically Sa'id ibn al-As, who was a leader of Quraysh, who had died now, his sons were there. They said, لَقَدْ أَكْرَمَ اللَّهُ سَعِيدًا إِذْ قَبَضَهُ قَبْلَ أَنْ يَرَى هَذَا قَبْلَ أَنْ يَرَى هَذَا الْأَسْوَدَ عَلَى ظَهْرِ الْكَعْبَةِ Some of his sons were there, and they started to say that God was most generous to our father, that he you know, allowed him to die before he would have to watch this black man stand on top of the Kaaba and call the Adhan. They started making comments like this. And you know, some people started getting agitated and they said, Look at this slave, look he's climbing up on top of the Kaaba. And the Prophet ﷺ heard this and he, came, and he came to them and he said that, I hear everything that you're saying. I hear everything that you're saying. And you will be held accountable for this. And then they, they, they realized the position they were in and they begged for forgiveness. But the Prophet ﷺ established that haq and that truth on that particular day. The next thing is that there, as all of this was going on, the Prophet ﷺ, Abu Sufyan, he was sitting there near the Kaaba. He was sitting there near the Kaaba watching all of this happen. The Prophet ﷺ knocking over the idols, clearing out the Kaaba. Bilal climbing on top of the Kaaba and calling Adhan. All of this is going on. The Makkans, the leadership is freaking out. All of this is happening. And Abu Sufyan says, for a moment while I was sitting there, just I couldn't, you know, old habits kind of die hard. And he said, I started thinking to myself that, you know, maybe I should have gotten an army together and tried to resist. Maybe I gave in a little too quickly. 
لو جمعتم لمحمد جمعا Maybe I should have gotten a force together, an army together and tried to fight him off, resist. And he says, as I was thinking this to myself, the Prophet ﷺ walked up behind me and he slapped me on the back and he said, إِذْ يُخْزِيكَ اللَّهُ He says, I didn't even say it, I was thinking it inside. And the Prophet ﷺ slapped me on the back and he said, if you would have done that, God would have defeated you. And he said, I was so shocked when he said that. And I looked at him and he was standing over me. And he said, at that time, He says, at this moment is the first time I have zero doubts about the fact that you're a prophet. Another incident he mentions is that he says he went home and he spoke to his wife. He spoke to his wife, Hind, bint Utbah, who we'll be talking about in, in the coming sessions. And he said to his wife, أَتَرَيْنَ هَذَا مِنَ اللَّهِ Do you see that all of this is from God? She said, نَعَمْ هَذَا مِنَ اللَّهِ This is all from God. Abu Sufyan says that when I came to the Prophet ﷺ later, he says that you said to your wife, you, do you still believe? Do you fully believe? Because you're the one who said to his wife that this is from God and she agreed that this is from God. He said, subhanAllah, he said, أَشَهَدُ أَنَّكَ عَبْدُ اللَّهِ وَرَسُولُهُ He says that, I swear, I, I bear testimony. I testify. I bear witness that you are the slave and the messenger of Allah. I swear to God when I said this, Hind was the only one with me there. This conversation was exclusively between me and my wife, and yet you know about this conversation. It is Allah that informs you. And the Prophet ﷺ, after all of this happened, the Prophet ﷺ, he then you know, went kind of back from the Kaaba, he climbed up on the mountain of Safa, and he looked at the Kaaba, now cleared out, and the Sahaba all praying and worshiping at the Kaaba, and the Prophet ﷺ raised his hands up to the sky, and he started making dua, thanking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for giving them this glorious moment. And maybe one of the most remarkable things that really is just astounding about the dignity and the character and the, 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 the honor of the Prophet ﷺ is that the Prophet ﷺ at this time after all of this was done, you know, Ali bin Abi Talib came to the Prophet ﷺ and he said, O Messenger of Allah, the key of the Kaaba, because remember he had gotten the key and he had told Ali, open the door. He told Ali ﷺ, Ali said, O Messenger of Allah, let me keep the key from now on. Let me be the, the, the keeper of the key of the Kaaba. And the Prophet said, go get Uthman bin Talha. And he called Uthman bin Talha and then the Prophet gave Uthman bin Talha the key. And the Prophet he remarked at that time, in Allah ya'murukum an tu'addul amanati ila ahliha. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands us to give the trust and the amana to the people in whose hands it belongs. And this was again the dignity and the honor of the Prophet wasallam that, that the Prophet ﷺ returned the key and the Prophet ﷺ said the key will remain with Uthman bin Talha and with the family of Uthman bin Talha. And I'll finally conclude with this and then inshallah we'll continue on about what would continue to transpire in some of the other conversations that would happen in Mecca now and how the Prophet ﷺ would establish the order in Mecca but the Prophet ﷺ at that time, he gathered the people of Quraysh and he said, Ya ma'ashara Quraysh, O people of Quraysh, Inna allaha qad adhaba ankum nakhwata al-jahiliyya wa ta'adhumuha bil-abai. 
The Prophet ﷺ said, God has removed your ways of the ignorance of the past, where you used to pride yourselves upon your lineages. Those days are gone. Anasu min Adam, wa Adamu min Turab. All human beings come from Adam, and Adam came from dust. Then he recited the ayah of the Quran from Surah Al-Hujurat. Ya ayyuhannasu inna khalaqnakum min dhakarin wa untha. O humanity, we created you from a man and a woman. وَجَعَلْنَاكُمْ شُعُوبًا وَقَبَائِلَ لِتَعَارَفُوا And we divided you and we kind of split you and spread you out into different tribes and groups and people so that you may recognize one another. إِنَّ أَكْرَمَكُمْ عِنْدَ اللَّهِ أَتْخَاكُمْ The most noblest amongst you is the one who has the best relationship with Allah. And the, in some narrations, the Prophet commented at this time, he said, Then he pointed to his chest and he said, Taqwa lies here, taqwa lies here, taqwa lies here. Meaning, the most noblest amongst you is the one who has the greatest taqwa. And taqwa is hidden inside of the heart. Nobody can see anybody's taqwa. So you must treat all people with nobility. In Allah, Alimun Khabid. God knows everything and He is informed of everything. Then the Prophet ﷺ said, Ya ma'ashara Quraysh, O people of Quraysh, ma tarawna inni fa'ilun fikum. What, O Quraysh, what do you think I'm going to do with you now? So they said, khayran. They said, we hope you'll do, you'll treat us well. Akhun karimun wabnu akhin karimin. You are a noble brother and the son of a noble brother. The Prophet ﷺ said, idhabu fa'antum muttalaqa. Go, go now, go. You are free to go. And then the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam, as I mentioned, he asked for Uthman bin Talha, and he gave the key to Uthman bin Talha. And I wanted to mention the comment. The Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, "Al-yomu yomu birrin wa wafain." Today is a day that we will establish righteousness, and we will establish integrity, righteousness, piety, and integrity. Those were the two things. The Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said, "Piety." your relationship with Allah, and integrity with your fellow man. And that's the big lesson that I want everyone to take from today. Our relationship with Allah, and how we treat people. That's a measure of a human being. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us all piety, and taqwa, and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us integrity in our interactions with people. And inshallah, with that we'll conclude for today. And inshallah, we'll pick up and continue from here in the next session. Subhanallahi bihamdihi, subhanakallahu bihamdik, nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta, nasakfiru wa natubu ilayk.